0: that boy needs therapy. Psycho- therapy, Hi, this is Joel Blackstock and you're listening to the Taproot Therapy Podcast. Today we're going to learn a little bit about one of my favorite psychoanalysts from the past. I don't go in a whole lot for the very, very Freudian people. Um, as Joseph Campbell used to say, Freud was fishing while sitting on the back of a whale. Um, I do like some of the women in that tradition, and Karen Horney uh, is one of the ones that I really like. Uh, her book, Neurosis and Human Growth, was hugely influential to me, and I think it's something that everyone can get a little bit out of. It's not one that you have to um, you know, spend a lot of time reading or knowing about therapy in order to just sort of intuitively understand uh, some of the best books on psychology work like that. So, without further ado, uh, here is my explication of Karen Horney and why she is important, uh, if relatively unknown. Karen Horney was a German psychoanalyst. Her career came into prominence in the 1920s when she formed theories on human attachment and neurosis that split from Freud's key ideas. Horney's theory of personality development and individuation are still highly relevant uh, to modern theories of personality, attachment psychology, and psychological trauma. Even though she is not well-remembered, her work is as relevant as it was at the turn of the century. Applying her theories to my work with patients into my own life has been an integral piece of my own personal and professional development. This article is part of one of four in a series explaining Ornay's ideas that uh, we're going to post on the blog as a four-part series. Um, I'm going to read all of them. On the podcast in this episode. At the time of this writing, my daughter is two. Now she's five, but when I wrote this, she was two. Sometimes when my wife and I relax slightly in public, she'll get a glimmer in her eye and she'll start to giggle and she'll run away from us. While we all yell for her to stop and then she'll cackle, drunk with her newfound power as she runs away into a crowd of strangers or into oncoming traffic. When we take her to school or to meet new people, She wraps herself around my wife's leg, pressing her cheek into my wife's calf, and refuses to speak. Two-year-old children cannot understand a moderation or a limitation. They demand to have more food, even when their plate is overflowing. Minutes later, they will refuse to eat another bite because they are full. They can't understand shades of gray yet. They are what they are feeling. They refuse to believe that they need a nap until their eyes are closing. People are either all bad guys or good guys. Individual children live in a world of extremes with tunnel vision on their immediate present desires and realities. Infants do not understand that they are separate creatures from their mother. The first traumatic event in an infant's life is the separation from the mother as the infant becomes a toddler. Infants are connected to the mother for so much of their post-birth experience. In order to soothe infants, we try to make them feel as though they are still in the womb. We swaddle them, and we keep them warm, and we play white noise. The mother is both their source of physical comfort and nourishment. So much of the infant's conscious experience is centered on its connection to its mother that it thinks that is what it is. It makes sense that infants would lack the ability to understand what they are outside of the central reality of this experience. For nine months in the womb, an infant is physically and psychologically dependent on its mother. It takes at least one and a half years after being born for infants to begin to pierce peace together that they will have to eventually <coughs> become something separate from their mother. Infants cannot understand their existence without their mother, and this means that when they are inevitably forced to separate from the mother, infants feel like their existence is under threat. The necessary task of the mother is to separate the child from herself into itself, yet this feels to the child like it is being obliterated. This is often the first major trauma of a child's life. Karen Horney's theory of personality and neurosis is built on examining this effect on an infant's development. When toddlers begin to be separated from their mothers, they experience moments where they, like my daughter, think that they are God and can run through traffic. They are completely independent, completely free, and can do all things by themselves, and they will never need supervision or approval from parents again. They quickly alternate into periods of abject terror where they are horrified with their agency as an independent being and often wrapping themselves around a leg, attempt to remerge with their mother. They want to crawl back into the womb. The distinction between infant and toddler is between a creature that cannot live independently, and a creature that sometimes thinks it can. Toddlers alternate between rejecting all authority to become a god and trying to crawl back into the womb in order to forget that they exist. Our ego is what allows us to navigate the overwhelming forces of the unconscious. The ego allows us to accept both our autonomy and reconcile our own ultimate insignificance. Toddlers are just beginning to develop an ego that will synthesize these competing and contradictory realities. As a trauma therapist, I use Horney's theories constantly. The connection between the way that our parents give us attention and the way that we learn to get attention from others in later life is endlessly relevant in many types of therapy, especially work with trauma. In Horney's theory of neurosis, the way that a child individuates from their mother determines their coping style, and predicts many of the psychological issues that may develop with them in later life. The first coping strategy that children will attempt in order to retain the connection with the mother during individuation is to ask for help. Horn and I called this stage moving towards people. As infants, we cry in order to make our mothers come running to our aid. If our mothers continue to come running to our aid for the rest of our childhood, however, This can impair our development as we fail to learn to solve our own problems internally or assert ourselves in extreme cases where mothers will not separate from a child to allow room for experimentation with assertive aggression or self-soothing behavior the child becomes neurotic and codependent in the moving towards people style people and characters with this level of impairment see the entire world in terms of their mother and they never learn to make their own judgments or form their own values. What would mother think of this? This is against mother's rules. Another force like a charismatic leader, romantic partner, or social identity may replace the actual mother at some point. But the inability to be a separate person from an outside force of control and identity will remain. Persons overdependent on another person or group's ego have no ability to self-soothe without the warm glow of the surrogate mother's approval and ability to define rules and worth. Horneye calls this neurosis the need for affection and approval. The sense of self in people with this personality type is incredibly diffuse as they are not able to watch others withdraw their approval, even for good reason. The psychologist Albert Ellis used to tell his patients that it is pathological to want to be liked by everybody all of the time, and I often tell my patients that there are times when the loving or the honest thing to do is to piss someone off. When we cannot stand to see our standards judged by other people, it means that we cannot have a stable sense of self with authentic standards for self-worth. This need often manifests as a form of codependence in relationships, or friendships, as people try to replace the stabilizing presence of a controlling caregiver with a different set of rules and boundaries. We learn to tolerate the anxiety of not knowing what to do, and being forced to choose early in life. When we have not been allowed to adapt to make small choices over the life course, we decompensate in the face of a larger, overwhelming choice about our life and identity. In therapy, I encounter patients who have had a controlling caregiver and a corresponding inability to develop their own sense of identity. I start by asking them simple questions about who they are. Patients with an underdeveloped sense of personal identity will often have no idea what their basic preferences or beliefs are. Often they will have found an abusive partner or a rigid social, political, or religious group to fill up the blank spaces in their identity. In healthy partnerships, we are allowed to maintain our own sense of identity while still participating in a group affiliation or a romantic partnership. I always frame the therapy with these patients as an exciting adventure that we are going on together. We are going to discover who the patient is and who they want to become. Patients of this coping style often will try and figure out what the therapist wants them to do and what the new rules that the therapist has for their life are. Their primary fear is that they will do something wrong and don't know what the right answers to all of their life questions are. I tell these patients that you are the only expert in how to be the best you. While the freedom and gray area of this kind of personality development therapy is initially terrifying to patients, eventually this style of therapy becomes exhilarating as patients reconnect to a long absent sense of self. Even though these patients present to therapy blank and indifferent about their often abusive and traumatic history, they will start to recognize moments in the past when they had a strong emotion or preference that was dismissed by a caregiver or a partner. I was so angry that my clothes were picked out from me every day, I was told. Or I was told that good Christians don't go to prom. Not all people in the moving towards people neurotic type will use a partner to try and complete their functioning. Oftentimes, I have patients with social and intellectual gifts that use admiration, fame, or envy in order to move towards people. Many people seek fame or attention, but those with a moving towards people neurosis will not be able to function without the admiration of others. These patients are not able to determine the value or morality of their own behavior without group approval. So before we move on to the next style, just in summary of that, the moving towards people style that Karen Horney is describing is when... Someone is incapable of being alone, and so they're trying to hold on to someone or move towards uh, an external identity in order to feel whole. Um, and this is at uh, the deficit of the other styles that we're going to get into in just a minute. So the next style, uh, the next thing that the, the child tries when it's a, a baby that's individuating for mom that doesn't get its, uh, in, enough attention is the moving against people. And we move into this style when the moving towards people style fails. We stop trying to um, get attention by holding on to connection, and we start trying to get what the attention by uh, you know attacking or denigrating somebody. So in so in Horney's theory of individuation, the individuating child will settle into one of three different personality styles based on what allows it to be successful. Um, when it is trying to reclaim its parent's attention and the connection with the mother. The first style that uh, children try is the moving towards people style, and this is most familiar to the child since this is the style that they are accustomed to using in infancy. If this asking for attention and attempting to be close to the mother through affection fails, the child will next try aggression in order to force its caregiver to do what it wants. If only aggression is effective in the household, the child will settle firmly into a moving against people personality style It will be over-reliant on aggression to get what it wants. People in the moving against people personality style had sporadic or unpredictable affection offered to them as children. They came from environments that were hostile or uncaring and handled the fundamental insecurity of these environments by becoming aggressive. They never had the option of asking for the basic attention children need, and instead they learned to demand attention. Caregivers were neglectful or unresponsive until they had to fight for the affection and attention available in in the house. This reality in their family of origin colors these patients' interpersonal style and assumptions about the world. These assumptions about others and the world are immediately recognizable in the first few minutes of the first therapy session when a patient in the moving against people personality style presents to therapy patients in the moving against people personality style are not likely to come to therapy and they do not usually present um, to therapy until they are in crisis or they're facing significant personal or professional loss due to their rigidity just as patients in the moving towards people personality type often have anger turned off patients in the moving against people personality type are often out of touch with their ability to feel hurt or vulnerable. Toward this feeling off, patients in these personality styles develop a don't mess with me defensive posture. They may use wit as a weapon um, becoming acerbically funny. Um, They may also try and signal their intelligence in order to shut down uh, any kind of debate or disagreement. They may be overly macho or simply act like they don't care what anyone thinks. Most often, patients who are neurotic in the moving against people personality style are highly competitive and motivated to dominate athletics, group functions, and professional environments. Patients in this style are often high achievers when they are skilled and they are seen as invulnerable at work, but they often feel hollow in personal spheres. They are unable to understand the point of life without comparison and competition. Patients often present to therapy in middle age when there's nothing left to win and they've accomplished everything that they wanted to or that they can see to accomplish. Uh, but they still don't feel good. They feel hollow that puts them into crisis. And a lot of times that is when patients in this style present to therapy. The moving away from people style is the last of the three personality styles that uh, Hornei defines. You know, Hornei's three neurotic personality styles can most simply be understood as dependency, moving towards people, aggression, moving against people, and resignation, which is moving away from people, the last style. The resigned type is the result of the developing child discovering that they are unable to get the attention of the parent either through asking for attention or through demanding it. The child then retreats into an inner world where it creates its own systems of psychological reward uh, uh, through creativity and self-expansion. If you're a writer or a psychotherapist, it is likely that you are strongly developed in this area, even though you may not quite be neurotic, or at least I'm not calling you that. The ability to move into your head and create your own rules and concepts for life is a useful skill, but it's not one that we learn from asking or demanding attention from parents or by analyzing our external environment. These personality types are more able to see through the arbitrary nature of the rules or the traditions in society, and they have less attachment to the cultural uh, norms. And you can see how this would result in something like an interest in science fiction or fantasy, where somebody's saying, like, yes, you know, this is the way our world works, but it could have worked in so many different ways. What if, what if... And, and you get um, these kind of intuitive feeling type uh, speculative uh, philosophies about all the different ways that the world could be or the way that humans could function. Um, whereas the other styles are going to be very rooted in the way this world actually works and what they need to do to be successful in it. Um, the other styles have kind of given up on those rules and they're moving away from all of this stuff into their head unless these children um, develop ways of communicating these inner worlds, they can seem spacey or lost in thoughts. Uh, they generally, even though they're intelligent, uh, are not well received in early education, because uh, the education is hierarchical, it doesn't understand the way that they think. All of these neuroses that Horne, Horneye observes uh, can be understood as a limiting condition that a person with insecure attachment has for being safe. So, The dependent type needs others to feel safe, while the aggressive type needs control, and a person in the moving away from people neurotic type only feels safe when some inner condition of solitude or independence has been fulfilled. And this ultimate value of independence can present in several ways. Some may want to be invisible, living an unassuming and private life, sometimes uh, being emotionally independent, um, sometimes being wealthy, sometimes living off the land, Uh, Patients are harder to clock that have this type. Um, And and people in this style, they may try and emulate, you know, Jay Gatsby from The Great Gatsby or Jeremiah Johnson or John Wayne. There's some kind of independence that attracts them to a certain type of person uh, as a role model. And the moving away from people personality type is not comfortable unless they're absolutely independent in some special area. And so, while the moving towards people type needs other people in order to function, and the moving against people personality type needs people in order to become dominant, the moving away from people type feels unsafe. If it needs people for anything substantial. And this does not mean that they are unsuccessful socially, only that they are uncomfortable with relying on social or emotional ties in order to feel stable. And this type failed to maintain a connection with their mother through either dependence seeking or aggressive behaviors, and they moved into their head. They learned to soothe themselves and learned their own coping skills. And this process of learning to regulate one's own emotions as a child without assistance leads to children into their own head where they develop a large and elaborate world. And also they develop a fear of reliance on other people. They want to do everything themselves. Children become less interested or even aware of external realities like norms and social play or practical tasks. And instead of learning to manage their feelings, they become fascinated with their own feelings, um, and maybe with the feelings of others by proxy, um, moving, hence why a lot of these people become therapists, uh, Jung is definitely in, the, in this third style, um, moving away from people, personality type people, patients, uh, you know, they have a unique knack for encoding their beliefs, personality and opinions into artistic creations because they crave the recognition and understanding that was denied them by their caregivers as children. Art, humor, fashion, business even is a way of communicating something about this hidden self to others. Um, Others may not see it that way, but that is the way that this style is communicating. Um, They are putting this thing that they thought no one wanted in childhood in gift wrap through a metaphor or a painting or a joke. And then giving it away, and usually they're very good at it. So I hope you enjoyed this series on Karen Horneye. If you would like to read it uh, instead of hear me say it, you can check out our blog. Um, there's also lots of other resources on depth psychology and trauma at gettherapybirmingham.com. Again, that is gettherapybirmingham.com. Thank you so much.